this morning we are on part three of inspiring testimonies of Jesus divinity and as we look at the scripture that I've been using as the we'll call it the launching pad uh, for the sermon it is still found in John chapter 4 first John I should say the epistle of John, not the gospel, but the epistle of John, 1 John chapter 4, and we're looking at verse 14 again. So let's stand together for this reading of the word, and there'll be other scripture, but we won't stand for that uh, as I read portions of that. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 14, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And I've noted in previous messages that John, being an old man, uh, never lost his testimony that he knew who Jesus was and is. He did not cease to be who he was. He still is and was prior to his birth he is the son and he was sent to be the savior of the world and we need to keep our testimony also and most important that we keep remembering and worshiping Jesus as divine he is God the son he is the son of God and he is God the son bow your heads with me for prayer Dear Lord, we come to you this morning, thankful, dear Lord, for the service thus far, for the songs that were sung congregationally, for the special. Thank you, dear Lord, for everything that has gone into this worship this morning. And we do worship you, and we do praise you, and, and we do honor you this morning, dear Lord, as you are above all else and we want our allegiance to be known that our allegiance is full-heartedly wholeheartedly totally on Jesus Christ that we do not reserve that accolade we do not in any way hold back but Lord we honor you with our full devotion this morning so we thank you dear Jesus and praise you this morning that we have a wonderful Savior who is fully divine. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts this morning as we look at the Word. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to see the importance of always holding you in that highest position. And we thank you for all you do. We're asking all these favors in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated for the message. So I've chosen this morning to look at an episode that happened in the life of Jesus where his divinity was acknowledged, recognized, and it goes back to the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John. The ninth chapter of the Gospel of John. And in that chapter, uh, there's... There's so many incidents that 
make up the story that I hesitate to try to just uh, verbalize in my own words uh, what the text says. Uh, I I think it's better if we read some of that, at least uh, here and there, and then look at it and see what we can understand from it. So if you look at the Gospel of John, chapter 9, we find that there was something that happened and there was a problem that uh, was seen as Jesus passed by with his disciples. It says in chapter 9, verse 1, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. So he had uh, congenital blindness. He was blind from birth. So we could say that since this was not an accident, since this was something that happened at birth, uh, he may have had a deformity in the area of his eyes, as sometimes is the case with people who are born without sight. Uh, He may not have been a very nice person to look at, um, he, it wasn't like, uh, you know, he could, he could uh, pay attention to anything that was going on with his person. Uh, he, he was a blind man. Uh, the Bible tells us spiritually that all of us are blind. If we have not come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're all in a state of spiritual blindness. And just as this man uh, could not see his own condition because he was deprived of that by his blindness, people that do not know Jesus as their Savior oftentimes do not know their terrible condition and the terrible state that they are in. Uh, They cannot... They cannot view themselves in reality and realize that they are in great need. Uh, So the scripture tells us uh, that Jesus in in these first few verses uh, tells us that uh, he is the light of of the world in verse 5 as long as I'm in the world I am the light of the world and he was talking about that direct influence here and not in John 9 5 where he says I am the light of the world that does not mean he's not the light of the world now but as he walked with the disciples and was here on earth he was the light of the world in a very unique way and so as, as this man was sitting, and uh, we, would, we would assume uh, that he is sitting here and he is begging uh, so that he can have a, a livelihood. They didn't have any means of support for people that were disabled and uh, people that could not earn livelihood, and so he was begging. And uh, so... They passed by, uh, and as they passed by, the disciples asked Jesus, 
master who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And the scripture tells us that uh, Jesus said it was not because of this man's sin or because of his parents' sin that this came on him. Uh, people still today think that way, don't they? If something bad happens, that they did something wrong, and that made this happen. And if they would have, if they would have just been better people, and we know sickness and death, all these things do come from people living the wrong kind of lives. They do. Uh, we do not at, at all have to prove that to you because you can see it time and time again in the newspapers. But not everything that happens to people is because people have done something wrong or that they've done some egregious sin. And so uh, when we when we see people in a plight, when we see people in distress, uh, we should not be like the disciples and, and, and immediately assign sin to them, that this came on you because God's punishing you. Uh, Jesus uh, did not go into the area of human suffering. He simply made the statement that this was this was the way it was because God had a plan. God had a plan, and he let this happen to this man so that he could work his plan. And so God does have a plan for all of our lives, and yes, we can mar the plan with sin, but remember that in adversity and in problems, it does not mean that God has abandoned us or that God does not have a plan. God did have a plan for this man, even though he suffered for some time with this blindness. Nowhere are we told in this scripture how old this man was. Uh, you keep thinking it's, it says it somewhere, but we, we read in the book of Acts about the age of a person who was healed, uh, but uh, it's not told us here in this scripture how old this man was. We do not know how old he was, how long he was in this situation. And so uh, Jesus said he, God wants to do something special in his life. Uh, Christian friend, when something comes on you and you say, what, what, did, what did I do that God put this on me? Uh, remember it's not necessarily true that you did something wrong. It may be that God is wanting you to glorify him through a sickness, through a problem that's in your life. And you just have to put your full trust and your full faith in him. Yes, the Bible teaches us to pray for God to forgive us this day of our trespasses, but beyond that, we're human, aren't we? Uh, we do make mistakes, and we do mess up sometimes, but that doesn't, doesn't mean that God's there waiting to hew us down. Uh, the, first time, the first time you make a misstep, I gotcha. 
It's not that way. God loves us. And the scripture tells us uh, in Romans that God has a plan for us and he works things for good in our lives, even though we may not see the good, even though we may not understand it. We're not the ones that are in control. And so we need to have perseverance. We need to have faith. We need to keep on doing what's right. Uh, too many times people get a problem in their lives and they give up. One of the first things they do, you know what they do, they quit coming to church. And that's the worst thing you can do. You need to keep coming to church and keep hearing the word and keep being engaged and keep doing what you can do for the glory of God. Amen. And continue to express your faith and your trust in God. And that then turns to a witness and a testimony to those that are around about you. It's, it's not the short term that really counts. It is, it is looking at the race and the endurance and saying, you know, yeah, I may have fallen. I may have had a problem. And most of us in the race have fallen or had problems, haven't we? Uh, they on the heights are not the souls who never erred nor went astray, who trod unswerving toward life's goals along a smooth rose-bordered way. Nay, those who stand where first comes dawn are those who stumbled but went on. And so we need to get up and and move on and, and try our best to glorify God in our lives. Yes, so suffering is not necessarily a punishment for some sin that we have committed. It is a common norm in humanity because sin has entered the human race and so we all, we all deal with that. So the Bible says Jesus said, I, I must work the works of him that sent me. There was coming a time when Jesus wasn't going to be in this world. He was going to be received back up to heaven. And so he had, a, he had works to accomplish. And that, that's what he said in John 17, the work that you gave me to do, I have finished that. So the Lord had, the Lord Jesus Christ had works to do, and this was part of it, that he wanted, he wanted to minister to this man's need. And so the scripture says that when he said this, uh, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now why did he do that? Why did he make clay out of spittle? Uh, some would say, well, that was unclean, uh, and that was the way it was recognized. Spittle would be considered to be unclean. Uh, it is in our day, isn't it? Uh, but uh, remember that Jesus had a, a purpose in everything that he did. And so I like the explanation that some commentators give on this, that he made clay because this man had 
unformed, un, unfinished eyes. And when Jesus made the clay, he was looking back to the time when God formed man out of the dust of the ground. So he made this clay to put it on the man's eyes, looking back to the time of creation and realizing that God could, God could do a work even as God the Son was the instrument of creation. Uh, God the Son could even now make those unformed eyes uh, come together with all the components that they needed for vision. And so he made the clay, he put it on the eyes, but he didn't do the whole thing, did he? He said, he said go wash in the pool of Siloam. And that Siloam means scent. Uh, and so he could have said, uh, you, you put this clay on my eyes. Uh, he, he doesn't know who's done this because he can't see. And uh, the scripture says that when Jesus told him this, he went his way. And so when he went his way, uh, how did he go, how did he know how to get to the pool of Siloam? He was blind. <laughs> he was blind. Uh, how could he get there? Somebody had to help him, didn't they? Jesus gave him a command, but somehow or other, he found a way to obey that command. And you know, if we want to do what God wants us to do, we will work and try to find a way to do what God has laid on our heart. Or we can make an excuse and say, I can't do that, I'm blind. <laughs> I can't do that, I don't have the ability to do that. If God lays it on your heart and you really want to do it, you will endeavor to accomplish what God has laid on your heart to do. There have been great blessings from people that have had to find another way to do what they felt God laid on their heart, not because it was easy to do, but because the desire of their heart was to be obedient to the Lord. And so somebody had to help him get to the pool of Siloam. Now, the pool of Siloam is an interesting pool. It was not a natural pool inside the gates of the city or in the old city of David. It was, it was not a natural pool. It was something that uh, Hezekiah had caused to happen so that they would have water in time of attack. You can read about that in 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 20 where we're told that King Hezekiah, Hezekiah made this, this duck work to bring water into the city. And so <coughs> the, the scripture says that he went and washed and, uh, and then he came and uh, he came seeing in verse 7. All that, is, all that is contained in verse 7. He came seeing. Uh, he washed he that mud off. Can you imagine however, however old he was? Suddenly he could see. Suddenly he could see. He knew what people looked like. He knew, he knew what 
trees looked like. He knew what animals looked like. Uh, what, a, what a beautiful picture of being converted, of coming to know Christ as our Savior because we begin to see things that we've never seen before. We begin to take in sights and, and enjoy things that we could never, never, ever have understood or enjoyed before. He came seeing. Then the neighbors saw him. This was quite a sight. This fellow was all the time sitting begging. Uh, he wasn't up walking around because he would have run into things and people, wouldn't he? He had to be sitting there begging. Suddenly, uh, they, they said here, uh, isn't this the man uh, that was blind? Is not he the one that sat and begged? It was like he couldn't even walk, but he could walk, but he sat so he wouldn't be knocked down. So here he is setting, or instead of setting, rather, he's standing now, and he's walking around, and he looks so unusual. They've, they've never seen this. this. This guy's walking around. Maybe they had never really looked at him before. You know how many times we see people and we don't really see them? We look at them, but we don't really, we don't really know what they look like. I recall uh, when I lived in Florida, uh, I shaved my beard off. And uh, my youngest daughter came in, Deborah came in, and... Uh, her mom said to her, uh, uh, what are you looking at? Because she was looking at me funny, like, uh, who is this? And she said, uh, what's wrong? And she said, uh, Daddy looks different. Uh, she said, what's, what's different about him? Uh, she couldn't figure out that I'd shaved my beard off. Uh, I think she thought I got my hair cut. I think that's what she said. He got his hair cut. <laughs> no, I, she, just, she just couldn't take it in. So can you imagine what this guy, how the stir was in the, in the neighborhood when they looked at him and saw him? Said, uh, well, it just looks like him, but it's not him. Uh, it's somebody that looks like him. Uh, so they said to him, uh, rather he said when they're saying he looks like him, he said, I am he. It's me. I'm the one that was blind. So they, they had natural questions. How, how can you see now? You were blind. You were born blind. So here we have the beginning revelation. A man. A man, he knew who it was. He didn't know what Jesus looked like. A man called Jesus, made clay, anointed mine eyes, and he told me to go wash, and I went to the pool and washed, and I received sight. Um, they said, where is he? He said, I don't know. Uh, so now there's been a violation of the law. Because something has happened that is against the law of Moses. And so the scripture says that they took him to the Pharisees. 
because they considered this to be a violation. There had been a healing done on the Sabbath day. And so they took him to the Pharisees so that they could sort it out. And the scripture says uh, that the Pharisees uh, asked him how he received his sight. Uh, he said, he put clay on my eyes, and I voiced and see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. Then they said to the blind man, the Pharisees say to the blind man, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. So we see a continuing revelation to the man. Now it's not just a man. Now it is a prophet, which elevates Jesus above the level of just a normal man because the prophets of the Old Testament, Elijah, Elisha, and so forth, uh, even Moses himself uh, is spoken of as being a prophet. And so uh, he is a prophet. <clears throat> but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. The Pharisees couldn't take it in. Uh, and they called his parents, and they asked his parents, uh, is this your son that was born blind? Well, his parents said, yes, this is our son. He was born blind, and we don't know how he can see. Uh, if you were his parents, and you were called in question about how your son could see, uh, how would you be reacting? Would you be really careful, or would you be shouting the praises of God that our boy can see? Uh, look how many times when he was learning to walk and, and he couldn't see and the accidents that he had. But, but now he can see. And the preacher can see too. Did you know that? I can see clear back there to the third seat from the back. I can. I can see what you're doing back there. And I want you to behave yourselves. And listen to the message, because the preacher's not blind. And so I will embarrass you terribly if you don't behave yourselves. Okay, so the scripture says that his parents did not want to be put out of the synagogue. Because it was known if anybody acclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah, that they would be put out of the synagogue. And that was a terrible thing to happen because uh, they could not do business with anybody. Uh, they could not fellowship with anybody. Uh, they were, they were uh, excommunicated. Now, Jesus said that there was coming a time when his followers would be excommunicated, that they would be put out of the synagogues. And this happens to this man. He is put out of the synagogue. He is excommunicated. He is cut off from what would be considered in that day the means of spiritual blessing and help. So it was, it was a very serious situation. And so uh, the parents were very careful in how they answered. Uh, they said, how does he see? The parents said, we don't know. 
Uh, and so it goes back to once again, then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. Well, that really doesn't make sense to this man that was born blind. Uh, and he answered in that, in that way. Uh, you say he's a sinner? I don't know. I, I don't know who this was until you open my eyes. But has it ever been heard of that a man was blind, had his sight restored? Has that ever happened? That I know I was blind, but now I see. And folks, that's the greatest testimony that a person can give when they met Jesus Christ as their Savior. I know I was blind, but now I see. He did something in my life. He changed things around in my life. And you know the thing is, unless we come to spiritual sight in Jesus Christ, Everyone that does not know him is headed for a terrible end, aren't they? They're, they're headed for a place from God's pleasure, non-associated with the blessings of God. And so this man would rather acclaim Jesus and be put out of the synagogue than what he would to deny Jesus and and be received in the synagogue, but be cut off from the blessings of God. So, they continue to question him, and it's ridiculous, the questions that they ask. But you know, unbelief struggles every way it can to perpetuate itself. To say, I don't believe. I don't believe because this can't happen. I don't believe because this has never happened before. I don't believe because I've never seen this before. Look at the people that deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They say, well, it's impossible. Uh, well, how did we get here? Didn't God make us? Isn't God able to raise the dead if God's able to make the human body and make all the things that we enjoy in this world? Isn't he able to do all those things that we consider to be impossible? Yes, he is. And so, unbelief will struggle to perpetuate itself and to say, this is against reason, this is against logic, uh, we cannot accept it. So my friends, when you put your faith in Christ and the resurrection of Jesus, there are some people that look at you and they think that there's something wrong, that you can believe that. But it is true, and the Bible attests it. And someday, Jesus himself will be before creation as the judge, and they will see that he is a living Savior. And so, uh, the man gets kind of testy with him, doesn't he? He says, uh, uh, I've told you already, and you did not hear. Well, they heard, but they didn't hear, did they? <laughs> they didn't hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? Now, this man has not said that he is a disciple of Jesus. But he asked them, 
Do you want to hear this again? Because you're ready to believe and you're ready to follow Jesus. So then they, it got into probably a shouting match. They got angry with him because he wasn't an educated man. He was a blind man. But he had more common sense. He had more faith. He had more understanding. If they would have read their scriptures, Isaiah said in the book of Isaiah, I think it's in chapter 42 and verse 7, that when the Messiah came, he would open blind eyes. This man knew more than what these supposed educated people about the scriptures knew. It said that he would open blind eyes, and he did. And so the Bible tells us that they cast him out. So he is excommunicated, as I said. Uh, they said, we don't know anything about this man. Uh, the man said, I just know he's opened my eyes. God doesn't hear sinners, but God heard this man, and he opened my eyes. And he, he said, uh, since the world began. So we don't have any accounts in the Old Testament of blindness being healed. We have accounts of blindness being put on people. I think about... Uh, in the days of Lot, they were, blindness was put on them so they couldn't find the door. And I think in the time of Elisha, when the soldiers were coming uh, and they were going to take Elisha and his servant, uh, they were smitten with blindness. So it was a temporary thing. But to have a blind person's eyesight restored or to be given eyesight, especially if they were born blind, we don't read anything about that. So this man says if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. So here's where it says in verse 36, they cast him out. Now in verse, reading this last part of this now, we've read about the man's healing. But now we're going to read about him receiving spiritual sight. He received physical sight, and he's showing great understanding. When Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Now the old King James says, he calls him Lord, but the NIV has it, a better translation. He calls Jesus Sir. <coughs> Excuse me, because he doesn't, he doesn't acknowledge him as being the Lord. He calls him Sir. Who is he, Sir, that I might believe on him? So he's looking at Jesus, but he's never seen Jesus before, folks. Remember, he was blind. He received his sight, and Jesus has found him when he had been cast out, and so he confronts him. Uh, do you believe do you believe on the Son of God? Now remember, Jesus didn't, didn't reveal himself as being the Son of God to very many people. I've, I've noted a couple early in earlier messages. But here he says, do you believe on the Son of God? Wow, now we've gone, we've gone from a, a, a man, we've gone from a prophet, to now, do you believe in the divinity? 
Do you believe in my divinity? Do you believe that I am God the Son, the Son of God? And the man is ready to be instructed. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. In other words, Jesus said, I am the Son of God. He said things like that other places, didn't he? He said that in John chapter 14. He that has seen me has seen the Father, is what he said in John 14. So he said, the, the blind man the, that had his sight now said, Lord, I believe. Now, was he off in some corner somewhere? <laughs> uh, him and Jesus, and Jesus said, Do you believe? Do you believe in the Son of God? And the man, and the man might have said, Who is he? So I can believe. Let's keep this thing quiet. Let's keep it quiet. Let's keep it hush. Okay? Let's keep it hush. And it says that the Bible tells us that Jesus made a statement in verse 39 where he says, for judgment I'm coming to this world. He says, those who reject, those who refuse to receive are made blind. In verse 40, did you notice what it says? Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said unto him, are we blind also? Jesus said, if you will not if you will not believe if you claim if you if you were blind you should have no you should have you should have no sin but now you say we see therefore your sin remaineth so they would not they would not receive they would not learn and so they they shut themselves off in unbelief so the pharisees were there and when jesus said do you believe on the Son of God? And this man did not whisper. This man said, yes, I believe. And what did he follow up with? The, now remember, the Pharisees are there. This thing's not done in a corner. I just read to you, the Pharisees are there. What does he do? He worships Jesus. That would be blasphemy, wouldn't it? He worshiped Jesus. If Jesus was not God, that would be blasphemy. Can you imagine? They must have had a cow. <laughs> that this man worships Jesus. He says, I'm the son of God, and this man worships him. How did he worship him? I would like to think that he got down before him, and he worshiped him, and praised him, and thanked him for what he had done. He wasn't ashamed of Jesus. Folks, today, the Christian church oft times is afraid to open their mouth and give glory to God and praise the Lord for His saving grace and for what He has provided for us. We need to worship Him unashamedly. We need to worship Him openly. Yes, the, the political correctness says, yeah, you can worship, just do it inside, don't do it outside. But my friend, <clears throat> I believe that we ought to praise God wherever we are and thank God for his goodness and grace to us. <coughs> and so we have here another inspiring testimony 
of Jesus' divinity. He was worshipped because he is worthy of our worship, of our adoration, of our praise. And I trust that we'll be faithful to do that in our lives, that we'll be openly confessing Christ. If we're ashamed of him, the Bible says he will be ashamed of us before the Father. We do not want to be in that situation. And folks, we have to come to Christ and ask his forgiveness for our sins. We have to come to Christ and ask for him to receive us. We have to believe. We have to believe that he, he, has, he has done what he promised he would do. And that was the first question here in verse 35. Do you believe? Do you believe? If you do come to Christ and believe in who he said he is, saying that he is the Son of God, then you're saying, yes, I believe you're the Savior of the world. I believe you came into this world and that you can forgive sins. I believe you died on the cross and carried my sins there. I believe that you conquered the grave. I believe you rose again and that you showed yourself alive with undeniable proofs. And I believe that you went back to the Father. And I believe you're at the right hand of the Father now and you hear my prayer. And you hear my petition. And you're there to make me a child of God and to make me free of sin. You're there to give me spiritual sight. You're there to give me eternal life. So let's continue to worship and praise him for who he is. Jesus wants us to acknowledge him. Jesus wants us to praise him. Jesus wants us to be openly confessing him for those that are round about us. They also need to know the Lord. Will you stand with me this morning? I ask you to bow your heads this morning. If you haven't received Christ as your Savior, there's no way to get to heaven. You're lost and you're in spiritual darkness. And it doesn't mean you have to go through the Raymond Church of Christ and Christian Union to get to heaven, but it does mean you have to go through Jesus Christ. And all gospel preaching, pulpits, acknowledge that there is no salvation except through Jesus Christ. We cannot save ourselves with good works. We cannot save ourselves because of a good family. We cannot save ourselves because of our intellect or any number of other things. We can only be saved through Jesus Christ and through confessing our sin to him and asking for his forgiveness. So I'll give you a moment this morning if you need to do that. If you come, it won't make you a member of this church. It won't make you obligated to us anyway, financially or any other way. But it will put you in right standing with Jesus Christ and it will mean that you're on your way to heaven. So as we wait before the Lord this morning, search your heart. If you haven't done that, 
we do not know if we will have another opportunity. If we're not right with God, we need to get right with God and we need to come into right relationship with Him. And you can do that this morning. Lord, as we presented the word this morning, we thank you, dear Lord, for this blind man that received not only physical sight, but spiritual sight. He was a different person. Yes, he lost membership in the synagogue, but his name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. He became a member of that company that's on their way to be a part of the kingdom of God and a part of those who are counted as the servants of God. I pray you'll help us as we wait this morning for a moment. If somebody needs to pray, give them courage to do it. Give them courage to come, realizing that they do not have to have a set prayer or know any words, but just come and ask you to forgive and to come into their life. I pray, dear Lord, you'd help us now as we wait for a moment.